The following podcast is a Clutch Media production. Welcome to They Get It. My name's Kelsey, and my co-host Emma and I love direct-to-consumer brands. Whether it's an amazing customer experience or a really killer social strategy, this podcast will feature the brands and founders who just get it. Welcome back to They Get It. This is another super special episode. We have the founder, one of the founders of Crying Out Loud, Sarah, joining Emma and I. And you guys, if you're in the mood for something heartwarming and emotionally charged, this episode is for you. Totally. Sarah has been through a lot um, and she's really created meaning out of it. And She's turned what she's been through into a business, into writing, public speaking, activism. She's appeared on Chatelaine, Good Morning America, ABC, Today's Parent. Um, And yeah, her story is just really inspiring, really heartbreaking, but really inspiring. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty the juxtaposition of such a heartbreaking moment in her life and then turning it into something beautiful. Like one of the big takeaways for me in even just having this conversation is like launching a business doesn't need to be this perfect compilation of the best, most unique idea and the right amount of funding and the right partners for her. She connected with her co-founders and they were laughing together over the fact that all the gifts they were getting after they became widows were just terrible fits, like best intentions, really poor execution and thus bred the idea for crying out loud. And I just think that's such an amazing reminder that you don't need to reinvent the wheel, right? Mm -hmm. You can look at your own life. What gaps are you experiencing? What do you wish you had? And there's your business idea. Absolutely. And I think it's also really inspiring for people who are interested in entrepreneurship, but maybe don't think they can do it. Sarah you know, she told us how she just changed a few of her daily behaviors. She just started listening to podcasts of people who started businesses. And all of a sudden she started to think, oh, maybe this is something I can do. And I think um, that's a really good reminder too. Like anybody can do this. And it's just about consuming the right media to help you believe that you can do it. All right, you guys buckle up. This is such a fun conversation and we take it so many different places. So I don't want to wait anymore. Let's jump right in. Let's do it. All right. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for being here. We're super excited for this conversation with you. And um, your story is really inspiring what you're doing with your business and the folks on mental health. We absolutely love it. Um, So yeah, let's get right into it. I think the best place to start is just give us a little bit of a backstory, set the stage of, you know, what events led you to meet your co-founders and, and the story behind this business. Oh, goodness. Um, well, first of all, thank you guys for having me. This is a, a nice, um, exciting break from my child wrangling and small business running during the pandemic to have a nice conversation. So I'm excited to be here. Um, so the long and long, long story short, um, four years ago in August of 2016, uh, my husband um, actually passed away unexpectedly and he had pa- he passed away from an accidental heroin overdose. And so that was, you know, the end result of an eight-year struggle that he had um, with substance use, um, as well with uh, depression and anxiety. Um, so that had been about an eight-year struggle for him, which is, and we'd been together for about 16 years. So our, half of our relationship was devoted to 
his mental health and fighting um, his substance use disorder. So um, unsurprisingly, when he died, uh, my life pretty much fell apart in every category. Mm-hmm. Um, I was almost, I was a month away, six weeks away from my 41st birthday and I have two young kids. So they were five and two at the time of his death. Wow. So, I mean, it's very cliche, but um, a traumatic loss like that really, really changes you. And it changed, it changed me. And I didn't understand how much it would change me at the time. Um, but now here I am four years later and I can, you know, look back on all of that's happened in the last four years. And I can really truly see like, oh God, when people say like death changes you, um, it's totally true. So part of that change process for me um, was falling apart, really. I mean, to be frank, mm-hmm. I, after, after he died, um, I was off work for seven months. Um, and at the time I had been working, um, I'd spent most of my professional career working in the corporate world and working for uh, PJX Canada, which is the company that owns, uh, owns Winners, Marshalls and HomeSense here in Canada. Um, so... I went back to work after seven months and the outside world, you know, Western society doesn't really know how to handle grief. Um, so people really think that time, like the more time that goes by, the, the more that person's like, quote unquote, better or healed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that kind of was the case when I went back to work and also in my own mind, like, oh, it's been seven months. Like I should be better. I should be able to do this. Um, and I, I, it was hard. <laughs> it was really hard um, being a single mom in a high pressure corporate, um, job. So that was taking its toll on me, um, trying to work and grieve and parent and all of that. Um, but at the same time, just to back up a little bit, um, when I was still on my leave of absence, um, something that I would talk in every grief counseling appointment with my grief counselor, like, I just want to find other women my age who are going through this so I can have a cocktail with someone and like, cry and laugh about our dead husbands like is that too much to ask mm-hmm. and it, it was hard I mean there's no you know at this point in time most, most of my friends haven't even started getting divorced yet let alone have their husband die so I just was really desperate to find people that were like me um, because mm-hmm. although my friends and family were so supportive um, they just didn't they just couldn't relate and, and I just needed someone to understand all the crazy things I was thinking and doing and feeling so I through the power of the internet and some aggressive uh, Facebook stalking, I got I got connected with some other women who um, had also lost their husbands. So, and some of these women ended up being my business partners. So there's four of us: uh, myself, Janice, Shannon, and Alexi. And so I met all three of those girls um, probably in the like six months to a year after my husband had died. Um, so. I was just writing about this yesterday, actually, on our Instagram, um, that finding them really was like, for me, they were like a lifeboat to me in my, in the sea of grief that was drowning me at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just so fantastic to find people that, A, were like, you know, without the dead husband thing, I still would be friends with these girls because they're like me and they're, you know, you know, they're just people that I am connected to. Um, but on top of that, there was this extra magical slash horrible thing that connected us and it was our dead husbands. So we became friends first. Um, but then over time within that friendship and within all of us, you know, I'm back at my corporate job and I'm falling apart and the other girls are struggling with their lives. Um, and that we all were struggling with the whole, whole 
death changes you. And I don't feel, I remember feeling like, what the hell am I doing with my life? Like if I die tomorrow, what have I done? I've just helped people buy socks. Like what, what is my purpose here? So yeah. So over time with the, with our, with the four of us, we started like kind of daydreaming about starting our own business and like creating a life for ourselves that allowed us to like be, to grieve fully and to, to take the time and space when we needed to, because it, you know, these awful days and weeks come and they don't, and you can't ex- predict them and you can't um, prepare for them. And we just wanted to be in a space where we could allow ourselves to feel that um, without having to like put on your work face and like get to work. Um, and we were also like daydreaming with business ideas. And um, so through uh, discussing and laughing and joking about some of the well-intentioned bereavement gifts we had received, um, we really felt like we'd actually identified a real hole in the marketplace and it was in the gift basket category. Um, there's tons of people out there doing corporate gift baskets where you can get a basket with like jam and maple syrup and popcorn or whatever to send to a client. Um, and there's like birthday grams, but there wasn't, we couldn't really find companies that were doing quote unquote gift baskets, but gift baskets for hard stuff. Like what do you send mm-hmm. to someone who just lost their husband and has two young kids? Or your girlfriend is just told you she's getting divorced and she's freaking falling apart. Like what you want to send her something or a friend of yours you just discovered that they're on a leave of absence from work for depression and you want to send them a get well gift. Um, so we just felt that there was a hole out there in the marketplace and it was really for gifting when you don't know what to gift uh, because these, these crappy situations in life, we shy away from. Nobody wants to talk about them. Nobody wants to like, see like sit with a friend who's in pain um so the gift basket for life's shittier moments didn't exist really um so we really felt that that was um you know a business opportunity because there exists a need in the marketplace plus it was a business need in the marketplace that we could bring some real lived experience to and some like Mm -hmm. authenticity and vulnerability um so it kind of just snowballed from there and we got like we got really excited. So our, we have a widow like Facebook messenger chat um, that's been going on for years, but now it's our business chat too. Like it's, we're really running this business in a Facebook messenger group, which is pretty funny. But we like, when we started landing on this idea, we got excited really fast and the brainstorming started coming really fast. And I remember thinking, and I remember probably journaling about it um, in the early days, like, being like oh my god so you've got to listen to your instinct like this this is just feels so good to be like thinking about this and talking about it brainstorming ideas and if we're this excited about it within like days of coming up with the idea we're kind of onto something like so we had to kind of go with that like leap of faith and that instinct that's within you like I don't I didn't have the numbers to prove it that this is a great idea but we just felt so passionate about it think of so many people who identify they want to start a business. And one part of your story that I love is you already had the entrepreneurial gears turning, right? I remember you talking to us about having like gaps in your neighborhood. You're like, what stores yeah. are we missing? What shops are we missing? And like the beauty of the idea is it was such a natural fit. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. All you need to do is look at your own life. What gaps are there? What opportunities are you already living? And then you just said it was like the perfect combination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, and so it, it, it took an interesting 
sort of side trip as we, so our, our original plan, our original idea was to build an online, like an e-commerce site for, right. you know, gift baskets for tough situations. Um, but then organically, um, because I had sort of been thinking about business opportunities in my neighborhood and I'd been networking a little bit, um, a couple of other women in the neighborhood who owned a space um, and they were running, they run um, something called the Healing Collective which is a collective of mental health therapists working out of a, a joint space. Um, so the healing collective owners had space in the front of their business that they were looking for a retail shop to fill. Um, and they knew of me and they knew of my sort of professional background. So they approached me um, and positioned it that like, we will sublet, sublet you the front part of our space. Um, so although that was uh, the old bricks and mortar store wasn't in our original business plan when this opportunity um presented itself and the terms of the deal we negotiated were really good like there was just a lot of things about it that made sense for us to jump on this opportunity but it hadn't been part of our original plan like if we'd been very stuck if we had been um rigid in our no we're doing it this way we would have said no to the bricks and mortar opportunity but because we were nimble and flexible and um i guess creatively thinking we just couldn't we couldn't pass this opportunity up. Um, and so we've we've chuckled in the months since we've been dealing with this pandemic that like, oh my God, our business has really come full circle. Like we're back to being an e-commerce business, sending gift packages to people in crappy situations. Like, <laughs> um, so it just, it just goes to show you that you can't really plan for anything. But um, yeah, so like we had the idea, different opportunities presented itself we adjusted and flexed our idea to fit within these new opportunities. And yeah, so in October, October 2nd of 2019, that's when we launched our bricks and mortar store. Um, and then probably, uh, I think in early, early November last year, um, we launched the e-commerce site. Um, so yeah, so we've been in, fully in business for a year. Feels like 25 years, given that we're in the midst of a global pandemic and, and a lockdown situation for non-essential businesses in Toronto. Um, so it's been a wild ride. Uh, and I do think it is probably a blessing that we had just blind, naive, entrepreneurial overconfidence of like, this is a great idea. We're going to do this. <laughs> now, now we're too deep into it to like change our minds. But like, yeah. if I had known all the stuff I know now, oh my God, I don't, you know, I, I think it speaks to like, you can't, there's never, there's never going to be a perfect time to do it. And there's never going to be a time when you don't have fear or anxiety around it. And you just mm -hmm. have to like embrace that naive confidence that you have at the beginning when you do, you literally don't know what you don't know so you're like okay here I come <laughs> yeah launch and iterate yeah exactly <laughs> so here we are we're stumbling and crawling to the end of 2020 um but and we're deep in the Christmas selling season from our <laughs> living rooms <laughs> yeah that comes with the pros and cons right one thing yeah. I'm so curious about is like we hear all the time partnerships people launching businesses together and it's amazing from an accountability and even just dividing resources perspective but you've got four people with four distinct personalities four opinions like I want to know how you guys make it work as mm -hmm. such a large team yeah it's a great question um and again I think part of my answer here falls into like, oh, we were just naive 
entrepreneurs and we didn't know that it would be complicated. We just thought, oh my God, we know each other so well and we get along so well. So like, let's do it. Um, Which I actually think is part of the success of it is that, um, so we were were friends first. um, So we know each other really well. um, But on top of being friends first, we're friends in like an intimate deep way that you aren't necessarily connected to every friend. Like we, you know, we've seen each we've seen each other through some really dark, terrible times, and shared mm-hmm. some really dark, terrible thoughts with each other and feelings and all that type of stuff. So, um, I think that lends itself well to helping us navigate for cooks in the kitchen, for lack of a better word. Um, we do all bring transferable skills to this business, um, but interestingly, they're all in kind of different categories. Um, so it's not like we all come with a marketing background and we're like fighting tooth and nail about, you know, marketing decisions. Mm-hmm. One of the partners, Janice, she has a marketing background. So while we all might have opinions on a, on a big decision, when it's something that is a category that someone is an expert in, I'm going to trust and just be like, whatever you say, what, whatever you think is the best idea, yeah. I'm going to agree with you because this right. is not my lane and I trust you. Um I think another good thing is that because because we're so rooted in being authentic and vulnerable and like talking about what the hell is going on inside of you, personally, that has just translated into how we operate. It's like a team norm now in our company that like you, you know, we're all at the same time as running this business, we're all still grieving our partners. Three out of the four of us are raising young kids. Two of the four, two of the four of the partners, um, still have their day jobs, their full-time day jobs. And we're all dealing with mental health challenges. So we all have a lot on our plate. So we have right out the gate established a norm that like, you just say what's happening. If you need help, if you're not having a good, like you're not having a good day, just stick your hand up and say it. And the rest of us will um, pitch in. Um, Mm -hmm. So I like, I don't think there's like a magic formula, but I, I do think, part of our success is really just rooted in us being really great communicators about our feelings and our needs and also being really great supports of one another. When somebody needs something, someone else is jumping in to help. Um, Mm -hmm. You keep a very human element in your business. Yes, exactly. Um, And I know that that part, that's something I'm really proud of um, and feeling you know, like everyone right now is struggling so much in the pandemic and trying to like keep your game face on and like show up as your best self at work. But yeah. it's really, really, really hard. And I just feel so grateful that I'm in a work environment right now that showing up as my best pandemic self, it doesn't, I don't show up very well and it's okay because people like we're, we've already established that way of talking with each other and that way of supporting each other. Whereas if I was still in my corporate job, I would be stepping this stuff down and still trying to like nail it in the boardroom. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like you're just so stressed all the time. Yeah. And all you want to do is just tell someone how you're feeling because that makes you feel a little bit better to like say it out loud to be like, Oh my God, I'm totally overwhelmed. I'm really, I can't focus. I'm so tired or whatever, whatever is happening because of this pandemic, it just makes it easier. Like I keep talking with my partners. Like we have this whole thing of just saying, my pandemic brain right now I totally forgot like somebody messaged earlier like oh Sarah did you order this and I literally responded back fuck no I forgot like my pandemic brain I'm sorry I, I'll go do it right now like 
Whereas if that had happened to me in the corporate world, I would have like, you know, my boss would have told me, pulled me into an office, given me one-on-one feedback, made me feel terrible. I would have like obsessed over it for days and I really fucked up. And, you know, like it's just a different environment. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it's helping us like not completely go off the deep end in a pandemic because we can be authentically broken at this point by the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you master that. Like if you even look at your social comments and the community that you've built, that type of message is what resonates. And you open up this realm where people can respond to you authentically and not be this polished version of themselves. I just think it's so special and you're leading by example. Thank you. Yeah, that's something that we really take pride in. Um, And it's actually something that with with this pandemic going on and not having in-person shopping, I actually really miss like that, that customer interaction and not the customer interaction and hi, how can I help you? Or like, let me know if you need any help, that stupid stuff. Um, It's the customer interactions where we're just like, because we've, as you said, because we sort of set this model of like, just being authentic and talking about what's happening. Those are the conversations that I have with people in the store and like with strangers and within like 10 minutes, if they're up for it, we're like talking about, really intense things um which although it's intense I quite love because you're you're skipping past the like superficial human conversations which like ugh, I don't want to talk yeah. about the weather anymore I want yeah. I want to I hear like how much are you falling apart in the pandemic and like let's talk about how shitty our kids are like that that makes me feel better <laughs> that makes me feel good um <clears throat> so I miss those like really authentic connections with customers um and prior to COVID Every time I'd have a, uh, an interaction like that, we'd always introduce ourselves at the end. And I'd always be like, I don't know, this is weird. But like, I feel like we need a hug because of what we just talked about. Um, so like hugging and crying with my customers, like it's very intense, but it's, it, as you say, it's leading by example. And so that supports the community, but then we get a lot out of it too. Like it really fuels us being that mm-hmm. role model, like having that experience. Like when I've had days when I've had lots of customers who, have lots to share. It's very draining for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but also at the same time, really rewarding. And um, so it's worth the draining part of it to, to have the rewarding feeling. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm glad that you're seeing and hearing that in our online presence as well, because we can't do the in-person connecting, but I, mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that we are connecting and, and that in-shop vibe is translating into the like virtual world um it's hard but you know we're trying Mm -hmm. oh I think you are definitely yeah and it's so needed right now something that's that kind of sparked in me when you were speaking about your different co-founders and how you trust each other and you kind of let them veer towards their specialty I think that's something that Kelsey and I try to focus on in our business too is we trust that the other person knows their lanes really well and can execute on them. And I think that's something that does really help in a co-founder environment. Um, and so I'm curious, what is it that you get most about entrepreneurship and what superpowers do you bring to the team? What do I get most from entrepreneurship? Um, oh, that's a great question. So a year into it, um, well, we've been open for a year, but we were building the business for like nine months or so beforehand. So kind of in this world for like a year and a half. Um, I don't even know if I could get tell you what I get from it in a one sentence answer. Because I, I, so at my corporate job, I was on long-term disability for a year before we launched um, Crying Out Loud. And I was on 
long-term disability because I've had a breakdown. Like I've been up and been back at work after my husband died. I tried to do it for like a year and a half and I ended up having a nervous breakdown because I was just too stressed and could not cope. Mm -hmm. So moving into the entrepreneurial life, although the level of stress is still very high and arguably you could say it's higher because now I'm playing with my money, not the corporation's (laughs) money. Um, And it's, you know, it's our, literally our baby. Um, The stress is different. Like I feel like it's good stress because I, Mm -hmm. I love it. I'm so proud of what we're building. Um, But also what it's given me truly is a slightly better balance in my life. Like in my corporate job, I was commuting in total two and a half hours a day, plus, you know, whatever time at the office. I was never with my kids. I was always just yelling at them to hurry up and get somewhere. because I had to take them to daycare or bring them home or get them to bed. And then on the weekends, I was just yelling at them to get away from me because I needed a break. So now, now there's still a lot of yelling, um, but there's way more moments of connection. Like, let's be frank, like there are still lots of yelling. And again, before the pandemic, I was, I walked them to school every day and they're in daycare after school, but I pick them up at 4.30. I don't pick them up at like one minute to six. Mm -hmm. Um, And because because I'm the boss or one of the bosses, Mm -hmm. uh, the work, the work gets done, but it doesn't have to get done in the like old school between nine and five hours. Like I have a bunch of stuff to do. I haven't finished all the things I wanted to get done today, but I'll do some of it. Like when my kids are watching TV after dinner and I'll do another couple of emails after they go to bed and I'll like, it just, I feel like I find myself now working more according to my energy level, not according to yeah. else's clock. Wow. Which even, yeah. And I, and I'm not perfect at that yet, but I'm, I'm trying to like, respect that within me of like oh yeah you're you're not in this right now take a break do this when you're feeling up to it because the boss is not going to be on your case to have this done because you're the boss like you're Mm -hmm. motivated enough to get this done you're going to get it done just not right now so yeah it feels weird to me to say that something that entrepreneurial life has given me is more balanced because that's weird because you're just working with your own business but it has like I do feel I feel happier I feel less swallowed up by constant anxiety. Um, I I feel more connected to my kids. Um, I feel more connected to the work uh, because I believe in the actual end product outcome and the good that we're doing. Um, So yeah, I feel like, honestly, I feel like making the choice to leave the corporate world and come into entrepreneurship saved my family and saved my mental health. Like we were on a not great path and it's really turned that around. Um, and another benefit to it that I would never have thought of when we were moving into this life um, was actually the impact on my kids. And they, so I have two girls um, and one is nine now and one is six. So they're in that like space of where girls, there's like studies that show when girls' confidence starts to drop. And it's like, I think it's around seven, eight, nine, like where my oldest is. Um, Mm -hmm. So having them see me hustle my butt off every day, um, you know, I do feel a little bit guilty because they're like, oh, mommy, you're always working. You're always on your phone. But (laughs) I like I hear I hear my daughter, my oldest daughter talking with her friends at school about it. And like the teachers at school now know about my store because it's in the neighborhood. And they're just my kids are just really proud. And that makes me feel proud that my kids are proud of me. Um, but also they see me, a single woman 
running a business and they see me, mm-hmm. you know, we have this, again, prior to COVID, we'd often have our crying out loud meetings here at my house and all the kids, mm-hmm. all the crying out loud kids would run around and we'd work in and amongst yelling at them. Um, so my kids are like literally seeing day in and day out what it's like to run a business and what it's like to run a business as a mom. And I kind of love that. Like there was a, there was a time over the winter where they were, my kids were playing pretend and I, I, I think I was cooking dinner and sort of half watching them, half listening. And I realized that, Oh my God, they're not playing with Barbies. They're not playing with like princess stuff. They literally were playing store. They'd gone Aww. around my house and they oh collected, God. literally collected merchandise and they merchandised it all on a table and they, they had price tags and stuff. And like, then I started asking, I can't get, I can't get my mind out of business. I started asking Brooklyn for pricing strategies, like why she picks that price and like why, <laughs> like why do you have this item? Why why do you have this? Like, what's your assortment? What brand do you represent? Like, I was really going down the retail rabbit hole with her, but it was so, it really, it really warmed my heart that my two girl children were not playing with Barbies. They were playing they were playing pretend and they were running a store and it just yeah. really that's, that's when I got in my mind of like oh this the unintended impact of this is gonna really be powerful on my kids they're just gonna be growing up now in the shadow of the business and they have to help sometimes like in in um in the first lockdown uh we were doing curbside pickup wasn't a thing yet in the early lockdown so we were doing local deliveries and so they, my kids spent like a huge amount of time on their tablets at the store, just sitting there while I packed online orders. And then a couple of days a week, they'd sit in the backseat of my car and we'd go through Starbucks drive through and I'd buy them like giant Frappuccinos to bribe them. And then we'd drive around <laughs> delivering packages. Oh, so I love it, it. Yeah. I mean, we weren't going squirrely at home, but we were going squirrely in the car. But it, again, like the unintended impact was that they saw like the hustle and the work and the the teamwork and all the stuff that has to happen to make a business run. And yeah, they were part of it. Like they, whenever anybody on my block does an order, because my neighbors are good supports of our business, I'll bring on the package and then I'll get my kids to go do the like porch drop off. <laughs> like get to work. It's your part of this family. Come on. <laughs> so um, you're, my long-winded answer to your question about what does entrepreneurship give me? I think it's given me more balance. It's given me my mental health back. It's given me time with my kids back. It's given a positive impact on my children um, in terms of like what women can do and what their mom can do. Um, and then my superpower of entrepreneurship. Um, ugh, well, I have a t-shirt that's, this is not entrepreneurship, but this is one of our best sellers right now. And the, <laughs> And the t-shirt, well, we have it in a t-shirt, a tote bag, a pin, and a sticker. But the slogan on the t-shirt is, empathy is my superpower. So I think that, mm-hmm. I think that's my, probably my superpower. And I think in yeah. business, it's good too, because empathy means you can see, you can see and feel what the other person is thinking. And that's key in negotiation is to know what they're feeling and thinking. Um, and also just like, I think any business relationship, whether it be with my customers or my suppliers, um, needs to be built on like a true relationship and a oh, true yeah. connection. And that and having empathy is a like huge superpower and be able to connect with someone. So that's my yeah. <laughs> empathy is my 
superpower in entrepreneurship. Yeah. And I love it. And I think of like how many people can say that they cry and hug their customers in store because they don't understand each other. Like, come on. I know. It's pretty, <laughs> Amazing. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> so awesome. Okay. You've got like a, uh, so many things happening outside and I definitely don't want to diminish that. But I also think we have to kind of shed some light on so many components in your business, right? Like I look at your um, company crying out loud and I see three main pillars. You've got this education about mental health and being there for people. You've got these products and care packages that you've curated um, and put so much effort into. And then you've also got these workshops and community events. Like, first of all, how do you divide your time? How do you prioritize? Like, what does that look like? Well, I think all of, I think deciding that we had those three main pillars of our business was also our naive entrepreneurial spirit <laughs> at the beginning and not really knowing what everything was going to involve. Um, so yeah, when you say all those things, I'm like, oh God, I'm overwhelmed. Um, <laughs> I break it down. <laughs> yeah. I think one thing we were talking about in our previous conversation is just like, you're like care packages. That is the core of our business. That's why we started the idea. And maybe you can talk a little bit about how that came to be and how it's evolved. And I'm sure the other parts like the community and the workshops have just been gaps that you see that you're plugging with, with other aspects of your business. Yeah. I mean, our, when we sat down to like build an assortment plan and really think about what products we were going to offer, we, because our, our assortment is very curated. Like I always say, most of the stuff that's in our store, you can find elsewhere. Like, it's not that we have, I mean, we have some things that are super, super unique and, and one of a kind, but like there are stuff that you can find elsewhere. It's, it's that we filtered through all the noise out there. We filtered through all of the 8 million bath salts available right. and like pick the best ones. We've just curated and really offered up to you an edited selection of the best of the best. Um, but when we were trying to decide, well, how do we get to the edited selection of the best of the best? Like what's going to be our buying criteria? We thought about trying to buy things. Everything had to go back to like three, um, three pillars. One was care. So is this item or this workshop or this post on Instagram, is it promoting care of yourself or promoting mm-hmm. care of others? The self-care and care of others okay. pillar was one of them. Um, the second pillar was, does this promote connection? So is this something that's connecting you closer to yourself or promoting connection between you and your friends, or your family? And then the final one was, does this item or workshop or Instagram post promote community? Um, and we felt that the three of those things together, care, connection, and community, those three things, if you, if you were focused on all three of those things in your life, it does lead to you feeling more mentally well. So once we kind of identified that, it did really help us because there's lots of times like you can get totally off track on what your business is. Like we, you know, like everybody else under the sun, we sell face masks right now, um, like COVID face masks. Mm -hmm. Um, But we are, we, because like as a business driver, of course I needed to have that item. Like it's a low hanging fruit and it's going to sell. So so we, we did a couple initial shots of them and now we're whatever we have left, we're going to let sell down and we're actually not going to get back into the mask business because everybody's doing it. You can't compete on price. And it doesn't really like it, it doesn't actually fit with those like self-care connection and community pillars. Like it's just a thing that would sell well right now. So we, we're trying not to let ourselves get into the weeds a bit and get out of our, like, we don't want, we want to stay in our lane. No, that, I find that's so interesting. And 
I mean, okay, forgive me here. I'm going to talk about a couple other conversations we've been having lately, but I feel like everyone's North Star is product development, launching new lines, targeting different customers. And I just think there's something about the way you're approaching this and you're like, hey, it's not core to what we're doing. It doesn't serve people the way that we want to serve them. Therefore, it, it doesn't warrant our attention enough. Yeah, like I don't need to be... There's enough other stuff out there in the wellness space and in the self-care space and the connection. Like it is, those are all trending categories. There's enough stuff out there that I don't need to be in things that don't really fit. Oh my goodness. Um, mm-hmm. Cause it's going to dilute the, it, it'll dilute the brand. It dilutes our offering. Customers get confused. It's like, what are you? Like I thought you were for self-care. Like why do you have, what is, this doesn't make any sense. Why is this here? Um, Such a good point. Yeah. So so we use those things to really try and keep our assortment um, aligned. Um, and as well, our in, like our social media education, all that type of stuff um, is aligned with that. And then the final piece of the workshops and events, um, that is one piece that I will admit as an entrepreneur and as new business owners in the last year, we have, it's, I think that falls into one of those categories of where you have so many ideas but you mm-hmm. have to prioritize and you can't because if you go after every single idea you have, you're just going to be spinning your wheels and you're going to do everything at like the surface level and you're going to do wow. everything like, okay, but you're just not going to, you're not going to excel at any of them. Um, really? So we had been, we had been doing um, monthly events when we launched. So we probably did our first one in November last year. I feel like we didn't do a Christmas one because it's too busy for people. And then we would have done one in January and February and then the pandemic happened. And then, you know, fucking all the wheels fell off everybody. And we tried doing a couple of Instagram live sort of event workshopy things um, with like good success, but we just felt people are so at this, at this point in time in this pandemic world, like this would have been in the spring, early summer, People are so sick of being online. Mm-hmm. Let's not, again, let's not try and be everything to everyone. Let's focus on what we're doing well right now. Our care packages, our regular mm-hmm. gift giving, our Instagram. And when the time is right, we will get back into that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So we would like to do that. We're talking about um, doing some sort of virtual social club type thing in the new year where I mean, we haven't worked on all the details yet, but we do think there's there's benefit in it because again, people are so disconnected right now, and especially if you are like new to the area or you don't have a lot of friends, like this could be a way to make some connections, which is again good for your mental well being. Yeah, um, but we have to. There's only a certain amount of time in the day, and you have to prioritize. And some things have to wait. Like I also feel that there's an argument to be made. Like you don't need to grow so big so fast. Like we used to say in my corporate job, you got to crawl, then walk, then run. Mm-hmm. You don't need to go from crawling to running because you're like you're probably going to hurt yourself. So we're just trying to take a measured, measured-ish approach to things and add in new stuff when we feel that we could do it super well. Yeah. Well, and I think that's just it's such a good reminder that when you're launching a business, you can paint the picture of what you want it to look like and create this vision. But I think what's really coming through in your story is that you launched it and then you've stuck with what works and you've stayed focused. And I think that's probably a big part of why you've been successful. You're not trying to spread yourself too thin and half-ass things. You're trying to be laser focused on the areas that you think you can create the most impact, um, which I think is 
is a really good reminder for people starting businesses because it can become so overwhelming and you don't know what you don't know when you're starting a business. Like you don't know that th- that's going to be trickier, right? Or I didn't know that it was going to take me like days every quarter to like file my GST and HST yeah, yeah. bookkeeping returns. Like that is something like so unglamorous, but like that takes time and I have to do that because otherwise I have to pay penalties to the government. So if that takes time, something else in our grand vision has to move a little bit down the list um, till we can focus on it in the way that it deserves to be focused on. Um, so yeah, I mean, but I also think it's good that we still have 8 million ideas, you know, like mm-hmm. you don't want to go through all your ideas in the first six months. And then you're like, Oh God, we did everything. What, what are we going to do now? Like we have tons of ideas. We just need more time, more money. And it's to not be a pandemic to do all yeah. of those ideas. So I think yeah. like, we are laser we are laser focused on what is working right now, but at the same time, we have a a growth plan for the future. Mm-hmm. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Yes, exactly. Although right now in the six weeks leading up to Christmas, it feels like a sprint. <laughs> it definitely feels like a sprint. I mean, working I've worked in retail for my entire like for twenty years. Yeah. And by the time you get to by the time you get to Christmas as a retailer, I am so sick of it. Like I am over Christmas already because you just, you're so deep in it for so long. Like I remember last night that I was like, oh my God, I have to buy my kids Christmas presents. Like I had totally forgotten about that part of Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been so focused on the business and like killing it over there. But I'm like, oh God, Christmas has to happen in my own house. Yeah, literally. <laughs> well, the end is in sight, Sarah. We see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, we're all there. <laughs> okay, I'm curious. You just mentioned you've got a ton of ideas, and I'm sure that inspiration partly comes from just your creative person and that just, um, you know, they come to you. But one thing we want to ask our guests is who gets it for you? Who inspires you? Oh, um, oh, that's a good one, too. Um, so a couple of years ago, before I was even before I'd even left my corporate job, and I just had I just was not mentally well. And I was, I just had feelings inside of me that I need to change something. I don't know what, but I need to change something. So I was working with, I was working with a coach at the time and she had the great suggestion of like, you don't have to have all the answers yet. You don't have to have your ideas yet. Just start like exposing yourself to people and places and things that are kind of doing what you want. And that osmosis will like come into you. So she's like, sign up for like, at the time I was wanting to explore because I'm in my free time, I do public speaking and uh, writing. She was like, you know, sign up for newsletters for other public speaking organizations and like, you know, just start following people that are doing what you like or like start listening to podcasts like with no goal of like, oh, well, I'm going to listen to this podcast and then create my business two months later. Like right. it was just listen to the podcast or like read the books or whatever. So that felt like very wishy-washy to me because I'm super goal oriented and solutional like I wanted like a checklist of things to do not just oh go out and listen to stuff um but I did it and because of the time I was commuting so much I I really listened to podcasts a lot and there's one called there's one on NPR called how I built this oh yeah um I'm sure you guys can do it so entrepreneurial podcast and because I you know I at the time I was working you know working in corporate retail so I like would listen to all the episodes of brands that I knew and stuff and I guess over time, the like entrepreneurial stuff just stuck in me. And and the guy, the guy that runs it, Guy Rods oh, or whatever, amazing. he, yeah, he's such a good interviewer. And he like, 
the way the stories come out in each episode is just so interesting. Like even for brands and companies that like I give two shits about in real life, <laughs> the episode made it interesting to be like, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, <laughs> so I think like, I don't, I, I feel like that's an unglamorous answer to say like who inspires me, but that definitely, I think had a big hand in shifting my mindset. Cause I, I was scared to do it for so long because I've been a corporate person and been employed by like a giant company for so long. I just couldn't think of myself as being the type to do this. Like I just, I had already said to myself, I am not, I am not an entrepreneur. That is too scary. Hmm. But then my coach was right. Like over time, as I started listening to these things and like following people on Instagram and just shifting my like life feed to feed me things of that new world. And I, I guess over time, it just kind of like osmosis into me. Um mm-hmm. So like inspire might not be the right word, but it, it definitely helps shift my mindset. That's a better way of saying it. Um, yeah. And I do like, all, like now I'm always like, oh, did you guys hear the episode on how I built this? Like, because <laughs> he's doing all these ones now about how they built resilience. And like, I love hearing everybody, like literally every industry person, CEO is talking about like what they've been doing since March to like pivot their business. And yeah, it's fascinating. So that small act of just, you know, subscribing to that podcast and listening to one every single day had a big hand in shifting my mindset. Oh, well, that is amazing for us to hear because that's what we want to do with this podcast. Yeah, we want to make entrepreneurship feel more attainable for people and help um, people understand that, you know, it doesn't, you don't need millions of dollars of funding to start a business. You don't, you know, you need this drive and you need this innate knowing that you have something unique to offer. And, um, and I do think hearing other people's stories really, really helps with that. Cause it helps show that like, Oh yeah, they didn't know what the hell they were doing. Like they were, I think of those stories every time now that I'm like packing boxes in my living room or like at one point in the early pandemic, because our store was like not open at all, all of the deliveries from our suppliers were coming to my house. So like my living room was filled, like I was the warehouse and the distribution center. And I just kept chuckling like, oh yeah, this is like when all these entrepreneur people on these podcasts talk about like, oh, in the early days I was working on my kitchen table or, you know, surrounded by boxes. I'm like, oh yeah, like that's me right now. Like this is, this is what the reality of small business. Um, So yeah, it did help me shift it from that's something I would never do to, huh, I could see myself maybe doing that. And that, that mind shift is pretty huge. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. I mean, this is like Emma alluded to, this is the ultimate conversation because I just feel like you're making this so relatable and so real for so many people. I just was going to say one thing. I do remember, um, it was on the new year's Eve of 2018 going into 2019. Um, and it, I, I had like a spiritual moment. I was alone at home and I was listening to music and I think I was having a glass of wine as I got ready for friends coming over that night. And I just was in a place where my brain was not so crowded with thoughts. And so I was just listening to a song and all of a sudden the song, all of a sudden I was just awash with the feeling of like, I just knew that's when I made the decision that I, ha- I started crying and I was like, I know I have to leave my job. Like that's when it came to me that I had to do this. I didn't know exactly what the next thing was going to be, but I knew I had to leave my job and I knew I had to work for myself to fix all that was falling apart. Um, And then I remember saying to my therapist when I was sure of it, that this decision to leave the golden handcuffed corporate job and go into my own, running my own business 
I remember saying to her, it's totally risky financially, but to stay in that corporate job and not do this is risky in every other category of my life, my mental health, my kids, my friendships, all of that stuff. So having it be risky only in the financial category and then knowing like, okay, Sarah, you're, you're a smart, educated person with lots of experience. If this doesn't work out, you're just going to go get another job. Like you're not going to let yourself go with a million dollars debt. You're not going to let yourself lose your house. Like you're not that passionate about this idea. You're going to try this. And if in a couple of years it doesn't work, then you're going to get like a job that someone pays you regularly for, and it's going to be fine. But if you stay and you don't do this, these other categories and my mental health, my kids and our family, that stuff is going to get like broken beyond repair. And that's way more risky than, a couple yeah. of years of financial uncertainty. Um, so that moment, that was like a total moment of clarity and really helped me take the leap and be like, okay, here we go. Totally. And I'm so happy that I did. Yeah. I mean, look at you now. <laughs> if you could see yourself, you know, fast yeah. forward into the future and know that it would turn out this way, like you would, all of that anxiety would have just vanished. And I think it's so interesting because people, as they're deciding to make the leap, it's like, oh, do I need my financial stability or do I, it's like, well, you don't know that this isn't going to work out, right? Sometimes you just have to take a leap. Of, yeah. What if it does work for you? What if it does happen? And Sometimes that's all you yeah. need. Well, and like uh, uh, my coach and other people at the time when I would tell them like, well, it's financially risky, but it's not risky. Like I have to do this. And if, if all else fails, I'll, I'll go back to TJX or I'll go back to a yeah. corporate job. And everybody kept saying, Sarah, I don't think it's going to fail. I, I don't think you're going to go back. I think, and I, and I, to your point, I, I just actually never really pictured it working out, which is weird. Yeah. Um, I guess I had to, I guess I had to be that pragmatic to like, think through like well, what would I do if this happened um but everybody around me was yeah. like mm, I don't I don't think you're gonna go back I think I think this is your new path in life and I think you're gonna be successful so and I do feel that now um but it was a good thought exercise for myself to like kind of plan out a contingency plan I'm like okay well if it doesn't work out what would I do and yeah and then that made it feel easier to make the leap Um, We're so thankful you did. Honestly, this has been such a fun conversation, Sarah. We're so over time and I'm sorry that we're keeping you. We just wanted to keep all this good information going. You have been amazing and we are so, so excited for our listeners to hear about this. This is like literally a blueprint of not being totally sure of yourself, doing it anyway and having things work out so, so beautifully. Well, we hope you enjoyed that episode. Sarah's story and what she's been through just really blows me away. And I hope you found it as inspiring as we did. And fun to listen to. I mean, like, she's hilarious. For someone who's been through so much and has just like a million things on the go, she has the best sense of humor and she's such a blast to chat with. This was a really fun interview. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think if you have someone in your life who's going through something hard, definitely check out Crying Out Loud. They have really, really thoughtfully curated um, packages. And as always, if you like this, please rate and review. It means a lot to us. Um, we've also got a lot of good content on our social, so check us out there and let us know who you'd like to hear from next. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.